0: All right, how are you guys doing this morning? Yeah? How many of you have had some adversity this week? Raise your hands. Adversity, anybody? Just feel like there's a lot of that going around. I think it's always a constant in life, and I want to just take a little time this morning. I don't think we'll get through all the scriptures I have this morning, but I want to encourage you to try to lean in um, and be active listeners today, okay? So I want to start out with just a few quick questions uh, and I need you to exercise some trust that we're going to go someplace in the word and get to Hebrews 11. But I want us to start out by talking about, I want you to think about your um, your personal life, your family life, and our life together, our family life together, okay? I want you to think about the culture of your life. What does the word culture mean? Dan, you're here, man, like... uh When Dan Wilson's in the room, anything is possible. (laughs) Any question is possible. Any response is possible. Um, Okay, customs around a group of people. I like the word custom. What other word is kind of related to the word custom? Customary. So what becomes customary? What does that word mean? If I just said to you, oh, it's customary for us to do this, what does that mean? It's what we always do. So there's a season of time when we were early on, um, and mostly meeting in houses. That if someone new came, we would just say, "Hey, it's our practice. Like we like to pray blessings over new people, and it would be our sneaky way of prophesying over them." Can we can we just pray prayers of blessing, and then we're going to listen to the Lord and ask you, or ask God if He has anything to say? So that became our custom, right? Is that is that some custom that we received from our forefathers, forefathers, forefathers? No, it's something that we learned that when we did it, God would show up and people would typically have an encounter with the Lord. Does that make sense? And so we began to practice that thing. And that practice became a practical that we didn't necessarily have to think about all the time. It just became when someone new came in the room, someone would say, oh, can we pray for you? Does that make sense? Did it still require faith for us to do that? It did require faith, but it wasn't like the first time where Steph, Steph, that moment this morning was awesome, where Steph's like, I'm just going to go for it. And I don't even like it when people do this, but I'm going to do it because we need to do it. It's like, that was powerful. Like, Steph, I just honor you. That was powerful. But the, the goal a lot of times is, is when we practice those things that require faith, it doesn't necessarily require the same kind of faith as we make it a practice. Does that make sense? Okay. When we step out, so there's, there's an element of faith that we're going to talk about today that requires something that's unseen. Does that make sense? So we walk by faith, not by sight. But once we begin to see it, that doesn't mean it's not important anymore. How many of you have dreams in your heart for your family in the future that are different than your experience in the past? Right? So you are working towards something. I pray my daughter has a different foundation in some areas that I had, but man, my parents gave me an amazing foundation compared to what they had. That's forward progress, forward momentum. I'm not trying to achieve some place where, wow, my daughter will have no place to improve. Like, no, that's not the way. Until Jesus comes, there's always a sense of us moving toward him. Does that make sense? So there is in this place where we, like there's a thing that's unseen that we have to contend for. That's faith. What what we are already practicing doesn't require the same level of faith as what we are believing for in the future does that make sense so there is a place in which even when we practice like god god we are just by faith not by complacency but we are just going to come together listen i love our worship leaders And I'm so honored to be a part of a community that have worship leaders that don't gauge the level of worship by how many people are standing, how many people are clapping, how many people are jumping up and down. But our worship leaders have cultivated a culture where people come here and they have encounters by looking at God. And there are some times that we do that all together and it feels very corporate. And there are times I look around the room and there are literally different zones of people having having time with the Lord and there's, it created a safe atmosphere for someone to say, hey, let's do this together. Or for someone to say, hey, just take some minute and let's repent. That is precious. That is not unique to us, but there was times I remember talking to Cody and Cody saying, man, I just wish we could learn how to wait on the Lord. Remember that? Can we still grow in learning how to wait on the Lord? Yes. But it's also not uncommon now for a worship leader to say, hey, We're just gonna be still and be quiet for a few minutes. We're just gonna take some time to wait on the Lord. Does that make sense? It used to be scary to do that, right? I remember it would be awkward when certain people were leading because like we don't know what to do, but we've positioned ourselves by faith to try to learn how to be authentic in his presence together. Does that, are you connecting with me at all? Yeah, okay, okay. So what are the things, let me ask this question. I want to get some some feedback here. What are some things that you feel like culturally are some cultural strengths? What are some things that we're good at? And that could be in your personal life, in your home, or here together. But what are some things that you think, hey, we've actually grown in these areas, and we would, not that we've arrived someplace, but hey, these are cultural strengths, Okay. Working on and getting into the presence of God. That's important. What else? Living life together following Jesus together. How many of you know we have a long way to grow, right? But how many of you know like we've actually grown in those areas? That's important. What else? So being a team together, but also growing and learning how to love each other. That's important. That's important. Derek, say what you're going to say. Confrontation. confrontation. People, people who are new to our community sometimes ask me, what do you teach? Like, I've never heard about so much about confrontation before. But guys, that is so important. I feel like the last two weeks, I've witnessed so many situations where if they would have been handled biblically 15 years ago, The wreckage and the carnage that I've watched people walk through in these last few weeks wouldn't have been necessary. Just being willing to do what the scripture says on that. But, like, hey, we've grown in some areas. Did Michael, did you, or Hannah? Taking care of the needs of the body. Have we grown in that? Is there still more room to grow? Yes. But can you understand what I'm saying? There's certain areas we've just named it doesn't require the same amount of faith for us to walk in it now than when we first started. Championing marriages and relationships. Entrepreneurship. Yes. I'm, I'm wrestling with that stuff because I think one of the things... Once things are seen, it doesn't mean they're not important. But if we look quite often at all that Scripture has to say about faith, which we can't look at all of it, there's like over 230 times it talks about faith. A regular element in faith is this idea of the unseen, and so I think it's different. It's not that it's less important, or I think it's. It, I think sometimes as we practice, grow in faith there's a place of God's faithfulness that we grow into the custom of our life that's just different. We still live by faith in those areas because how many of you know, if you get complacent in a strength, you can lose it in an instant. And so I think there's this tension of us learning how to practice the things that are already present in our life, but we're gonna get there today, not avoiding the unseen because that seems safer. Does that make sense? There there are places that before we started together that felt so dangerous when I would talk about what I believe Scripture said about community because I'd never actually seen it. And I would, whether I was talking to one person across the table that I was discipling, whether I was speaking to a group of pastors, whatever it be, I would say something like this, I'm homesick for something I've never seen before. And there's still an element that that's true in my life. I'm not satisfied with where we are. But at the same time, as we have learned to follow Jesus together, this is no longer a concept that I just believe is in Scripture somewhere. There is a fabric of people who are trying to walk this out together. Does that make sense? And so it it requires less faith in the sense of I've never even seen this tried. I know there are people that are after the same uh, journey, Right? Our hearts are set on the same pilgrimage as what the scripture says. We are, our hearts are set for the journey together. And so there's a place where now it's about practicing faith instead of taking that initial step in what seems to be the unseen. How many of you have seen the Indiana, I think it's Indiana Jones and the last crusade where he has to step out and there's nothing there and the, and the, and the stone doesn't appear until he steps. Have you seen that? That's an old movie. I was, yeah, is that, is that, is that right? You step out and you, the, road doesn't, the road isn't there until you actually go to put your foot down. That is a picture of faith. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read this first couple of verses and then we're gonna ask another question. Now, faith is the substance, say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Let me read that last verse again. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now faith is. There are three things I want to point out from this scripture, and then I want to ask another question. Now faith is what? Faith is substance. It's substance. What does that word substance mean? It's something tangible. Something what? <laughs> Edible. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's. But it's there's something to it right? Now, in your faith, how many of you have ever built, um, maybe with a project you've built with like a cinder block, or you've, you've worked with cinder blocks before? Cinder blocks are interesting because there's different levels of density to those cinder blocks. For instance, if you're going to go build a garage with cinder blocks, the cinder block is going to be much more dense and much stronger than just a little cinder block paver that you're going to put out on your uh, garden for decoration. Both Are both of them substance? But can you tell the difference in the substance? I don't want a paver decorative substance in my faith. I want something that's able to be built. So now faith is substance of what? Things hope for. It's, uh, listen, once I've arrived there, once my faith has become sight, now it's, it's a different thing. It just became something different, right? Are you pregnant? Is there really a baby? That is true. That has been true for a while now. Did you love that child before you were pregnant? What? Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense, parents? Does that make sense? Was there a place in your heart that began to love what wasn't even in existence yet? But when you became pregnant, that love changed from something that was conceptual to something that was specific, but yet you're waiting for this day where you will hold the baby in a different way than you are right now, and then that love will change again. Does that make sense? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not that whenever we receive the thing that's hoped, it doesn't become less significant. It means we're, checking, we're stepping into a different dimension or a different aspect of what faith looks like. And this is significant. So faith is substance, and our substance needs to be Substantial. Faith is substance, but our substance needs to be, our faith needs to be a substantial substance because by it we obtain understanding. By it we obtain a good report. By it the elders, we obtained a good report. Why? Because there is a faith that is real. Faith is evidence. Faith is, our faith is substance. Faith is evidence. That's the second thing. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. What is the difference between substance and evidence? What happens in a court case if there is enough evidence? What happens? Conviction. Everybody say the word conviction. Let's try again. Everybody say the word conviction. conviction. Do you know conviction is probably the closest English word to what the Greek word faith is? The word is pistis. It's pronounced Pistis. Pistis. And if you go and you look through the gospels, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the pistis, when he saw that substance, he was marveled. He was astonished at their faith. What was he astonished at? That word means conviction of truth with constancy. The just shall live by the conviction of truth in its constancy. Constancy. Does that make sense? Faith is the evidence that builds conviction that what is unseen is actually real. Faith is the evidence that leads to a conviction that what has not been seen is real and is true. Now faith is substance. Now faith is evidence. And the third thing I want to remind you, because I've already said it, it's anchored in the unseen. Verse three there, if you look back at that, it says, by the word of God, the worlds were formed. So it was with something, so that what is seen was made by something that was not visible. That's hard for us to wrap our heads around. Like, so Let me actually read it again. I want you to really intentionally try to go there and then we'll begin to just bring a couple practicals out today and ask a couple more questions. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which were visible. So if you were going to go build a house today, you would have to make the plans, but in important part would be to get the materials, right? What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that the really important things in life were not made by things that you can go and buy at Home Depot. It was not with the things that are visible that the most important things were seen. There's another scripture that says this, the things which are visible are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal, that is why the idea of rationalism, which tells us that everything is real, is what we can touch and taste and digest, according to Dan. Um, <laughs> that, but we, If we build our life in the things that are seen, what we're actually doing according to Scripture is building our life in what's going to pass away. Does that make sense? Why would we live our lives on, why would we spend our lives for what's only going to last for a few years? I'm not against having nice things. I think that's, that's great. I get excited when someone, listen, Dan gave me a gift one time. It's, it's like the coolest wallet slash cell phone cover I've ever seen, and it was nice. And it came in a box, and I opened it. I was like, ooh, this is nice. Like, sometimes I don't even wear it on my phone because I'm going to mess it up. It's that, like, it's that nice, So if I'm shooting a lot of video that week, I don't even put it on my phone because it's that. It's a night. I I love having that. It's nice. But I wouldn't want to live my life for it. I thank God for our nice new van. It's nice. It it does. I mean, Mike rented one just like ours for his trip. He's like, whoa, this thing's high tech. Yeah. But I'm so glad I'm not living my life for a car. You hear what I'm saying? I think 401ks are great, but don't build your life on a 401k, right? Because we're building our life. We're living our life in the faith realm, the filth realm, (laughs) scratch that. (laughs) Faith and realm shouldn't be said as one word. It's gonna come out wrong. The faith realm, not to acquire more things that you can touch. You are living your life for something that's not here. So turn back to Matthew chapter five and let me ask you another question. What are we believing for? Again, it can be those same three areas individually and in your, in your family, and together as a family, what are we believing for that we haven't seen become a part of our culture yet? What are the things that require us to have faith that we have not yet seen that we can go after together? Mike Weber? Yeah, but, okay, get it, because... Yeah. All right, so let me just take a step back. We talked about the things that we've seen grow to become cultural strengths. What are things we're believing for that we're not seeing yet? Sexuality to be not broken. <laughs> the check from heaven. Ding! Can you imagine what the neighborhood would be like? Can you imagine what a generation would be like if sexuality was not broken? Stewarding our building consistently, consistency. What, what will that be an indicator of? Maturity, sending and receiving well, healing. I want you to just go with me real quick. It can be possible for us to live in the realm of the things that we are seeing and to protect ourselves from the things that we haven't seen yet. In other words, if I say, wow, we do a good job at discipling, we've grown in a place where that's a core strength. But we have these areas where we've reached out to some really broken people, and that hasn't worked out so well. So let's just stay over here at the safe. And so what happens is because of God's goodness to establish the things that he's been establishing. Guys, again, we know this. All of us, we know this, right? There's nothing good inherent about me that didn't come from him. Like the only thing that I have even good inherently is the fact I'm made in his image for his pleasure by his purpose. But left to my own devices, I'll just fumble and fumble and fumble over and over and over again. So I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy to invite them into a Brad-centered life. But Christ in me, Christ in you, the fact that Colty carries something about Jesus and There's a dimension of the way that God gets revealed in culty that unless I'm willing to humble myself and receive something from someone else, like I will miss the aspect of how God has deposited himself in culty. Does that make sense to you? That's what it means that each joint supplies the need of the other. You are not supposed to get to the place where maturity looks like not needing anyone anymore. That is a very Western way of thinking. I'm not picking on America to say when we talk about the American dream, that is built on an ambition that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. No place in scripture where you will find the incentive to make a name for yourself or become self-made. That's the opposite of the kingdom of God. But if we live only in our places of cultural strength and that's where we're putting all of our energy, then we don't contend for the things we haven't seen yet. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about that in just a second. So I want to just read a couple more scriptures and and begin to try to land this, but this is what I was meditating on this morning. Whenever I was a teenager, there was this crazy place in me that uh, felt like I was either going to change the world for Jesus or end up like writing or producing pornography. The reason why is the two greatest desires in my life was to change the world for Jesus and lust and fantasy. That doesn't make sense. I would read scriptures that say, hey, you can't have out of one fountain flowing two different rivers. But that was what was going on in my life. That's what was going on in my heart was this desire to really do something amazing for God. And I didn't understand about shame. I didn't understand about self-hatred. I couldn't figure out why I was so broken. I didn't know anything about the places that were broken in my heart that needed to be healed. But here's what I did know is I prayed this prayer over and over and over again. God, please help me never do that again. Anybody else ever prayed a prayer like that? God, please help me never. And that was one of, I mean, one of my most consistent prayers at 16, 17. And I really, guys, it wasn't that I didn't really love Jesus. I really loved Jesus and sincerely had a desire. But until I met someone who was willing to share that journey with some uh, some places of transparency, a lot of you guys have met my friend Jonathan. Until Jonathan and I began to like, Say the same, the same, hey, we're both in the same place. We are either gonna do something and live our lives for Jesus, or we're gonna just model brokenness to everyone around us. There was no breakthrough. But I remember one of the first kind of like prayers I was never taught to pray that happened in my heart was like, I remember this moment of going, wait, if I can use my mind to imagine and image all these things that I know are not right, what would happen if I gave that part of my life to the Lord? And I would just practice. I would just like take time and practice meditating on things I thought might be from God. Now, this is way before I knew anything about the prophetic or knew anything about like having an ongoing relationship with Holy Spirit. But you know what? God showed up anyway. He just showed up because I asked, God, I don't even know how to do this. Guys, praying that prayer is one of the most empowering prayers. God, I don't know how, but your word says. I remember when I would read in in, uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he was talking about beholding him. I'm like, God, I have no idea how to behold you. But you say to do this, and you say that this is actually how my life gets changed. So, man, this was years before the song Open the Eyes of My Heart came out. I didn't even have that, that song to help me. But God, I don't even know how to... Does that make sense? God, I don't know how to do this, but it's what your word says, so can you help me? And the transformation that began to take place in my life because I was intentionally given him my imaginings. There was a strong place in my heart at that time where I began to start to believe for things that I had not seen yet. And I... I'm not telling you that because I think that you're all at a place where you've never done that before. I'm telling you that was a transformative place in my life that I am challenged this week to re-engage. Because this week I found myself on the front porch of my house with people that I love. I think it was on Wednesday. Derek was there and Taylor was there and Cody came walking up onto the porch. And I'm not gonna get into all the details of everything that's happened in the last few weeks, but it's been a rough few weeks and some specific things going on. I mentioned a few weeks ago that to ask you to pray for Justin. Justin's been going through some stuff. I actually asked him 10 days ago if I should tell you guys this. And he said, yeah, tell him. But Justin had just like, hey, I don't wanna be a part of your church. I don't wanna be like, I don't want this. And he was angry. And I feel like there's been a lot of good relational things that have happened since then. I was like, well, Justin, do you want me to tell everybody at church that you don't want me a part of anybody? And he's like, yeah, tell them that. That's heartbreaking. A lot of you have invested time, finances. You've endured hard conversations, awkward conversations. Some of you have lived with him. So there's just been blowups and potholes. And there's one day that came on my porch and he started cussing me out, walked off the porch and I followed him and got on the street, stand on the sidewalk and I was trying to talk to him and he got so mad at me, I thought he was gonna swing. I was like figuring out how I could do the matrix back, you know. I looked up, Cody's on his porch, Abby's on her porch, they're both like praying in tongues the people behind me at the t-shirt factory are like, hey, keep it down over there. I'm like, the cops are gonna be here any minute. Those are not the gospel dreams that we dream of. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I want you to stay with me for just a few more minutes and then we're gonna nail this down. Wednesday morning, Sitting there, I'd already had a conversation with Taylor about just the messiness of the gospel. We prayed, we cried, we talked, we processed. Derek comes up; just got some hard things happening. People that he and Laura have invested a lot into. Then Cody comes up, and Cody's like, "Man, I've never been in it this deep before. I'm hurt, I'm sad, I'm anxious." I'm angry, and as Cody began to talk about what he was processing about this hard and painful situation, he said something which had a lot of made a lot of sense. He just said, "Hey, I just I guess I've learned for next time." And how many of you know it's really good to learn for next time? Really good. But I could also sense there was a place of like there's just so much weariness and weightiness into what was happening that it was just like, man, I don't want to be in this situation again. Cody, is that accurate? Yeah. I didn't have some wise word of wisdom to give to Cody, but this is what I heard coming out of my mouth. Actually, one more thing Cody said. He said my, I mean, he's like cussing me out, cussing my friends out, calling us liars, calling us every name in the book. And out of my mouth, I heard these words, blessed are you when they revalue and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. I remember conversations with Derek and Dan and Cody on the front porch. What is it that we're believing for, for Justin? I mean, these guys, I mean, all of you have made a sacrifice, but these guys are actually welcoming this guy into their home. It was just walking in a lot of brokenness. Remember that, Dan? What is it you're believing for? And you know what? Justin has grown up a lot over the last year and a half, two years. In fact, the adversity or the the problems he's facing right now are only there because he's grown up. It would be way easier just to try to control and manipulate him to do a certain thing, but it's as he's grown and been able to make more decisions on his own. I mean, how many of you ever made bad decisions in life? And guys, I'm not saying this to try to gossip. I mean, Justin, <laughs> and again, things aren't like at this fractured place in every relationship now. So if you see him, you don't need to cross the street and shun him. I'm not saying that. I am saying like, I wouldn't I wouldn't start it with, hey, why haven't you been to church? <laughs> like, Like, love him when you see him. But no, right now he doesn't see himself as a part of us. And after I quoted that one verse, I just decided I would open up, and we just read the Beatitudes. And you know what happened at the end of reading the Beatitudes? It was one of the most tangible moments I've ever had about the the kingdom of God. Cody just said, man, those have never been more relevant than they are right now. How many of you would like to avoid situations like Cody's walked through in the last couple weeks? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's just not something we're trying to sign up for. Does that make sense? But listen to what it says. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. How many of you understand that if we're going to live our life for what's happening in heaven, sometimes we might have to walk through something here that doesn't look like what we want it to. But we can't say, God, I'm going to give my life to you and then try to avoid the places where the blessing shows up. Does that make sense? Does it? What that looks like is when we see this situation happening again, we trust and ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? Not saying, I'm never going there again. Turn to, we're going we're to three things. I want to encourage you to say, like one verse a piece, and then we'll, we'll go home. Three actions of how do we grow in this? Because here's the deal. When when Paul shows up um, in in Cyprus at Acts chapter 14, it says he's there to encourage them and to, to build up the body. And he tells them, we must suffer adversities to enter into the kingdom of God. You must walk through these things. I have had this posture of like, wow, we grow in faith. So when we get into hard things, then the substance is there. We, we grow in faith so when we get into adversity by faith, we can walk through it. But the truth is also that we need adversity in our lives so we can build faith. So when Peter talks about whenever you face trials to rejoice, guys, this is a theme that happens in James. It happens in Peter or first Peter. It happens again here is guys God, Jesus promised. I love this. I respect him so much because he didn't say, if you follow me, everything will be easy. He said, Hey, if you follow me in this world, you're going to find tribulations of every kind, but you can be of good cheer because I've overcome those things. So what do we do in the midst of adversity? There was this moment a few, a few weeks ago when, it was actually a month ago, Friday, when Laura had started having complications with the pregnancy and we we're having prayer here that night. And within just a few hours, the word's out, people are praying and Eliza messages Cody and says, hey, can I come and can I lead this song? And she comes and she leads the people that are here in this song, Healer. But a week before, she and Gabe had walked through a very similar situation and lost a baby. It was one of the most powerful moments of watching someone choose to exercise faith in God's faithfulness instead of retreating from a place of pain. you hear what I'm saying? Would there have been understanding if she didn't want to do that? Would, like, would anybody have looked down on her because she didn't come and do that? No. But when faced with a request of praying for a friend, instead of like using pain as a reason to run, it's like, I'm still gonna choose in the midst of pain to believe that what God says is true. That's what I'm talking about. That's a level of faith that didn't come from what was seen. Do you hear me? It didn't come because we have a lot of cool testimonies of God doing miracle, miraculous things with babies, Right? we're not going to retreat and shrink back when we don't see the thing that we're wanting. That's the opportunity to step into faith. So when I asked Eliza this morning, I said, hey, this is what I was thinking about this morning. Can I share this? She said, yeah. Why? Because those are the moments that we build on. Guys, do you understand? Those are the moments where the substance of our faith grows more substantially. All right. 1 Timothy chapter one, there's three action steps and then we're going to be done. Number one, love and faith. There's three things we want to do. We want to love in faith. I, I've read this a couple of times over the last month because I just can't get away from it. But look at verse uh, three. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It says, As I urged you when I left Macedonia, I'm asking that you remain in Ephesus to instruct them not to teach or follow the error of deceptive doctrines, nor pay any attention to cultural myths, traditions, or endless study of genealogies. Why? These digressions only breed controversies and debates. They are devoid of power that builds up and strengthens the church in faith. For we reach the goal. Here we go, guys. We reach the goal of fulfilling the commandments when we have love for the believers deeply. With a when we love others deeply with a pure heart, a clean conscience, and sincere faith. When I read that, I understood, guys. I have to love with faith. To love one another deeply is something we've talked about as long as there's been an us. We've been talking about that. But I can't love according to what I'm seeing. I can't love according to the response that I'm getting back in that moment. I need to love with faith. If we feel, whenever we see a situation like what's happening with Justin right now, where he's making a decision not to follow Jesus right now, if we allow that to be the last chapter for us, and that to be the conclusion, then we miss the opportunity to love in faith. Now faith is the substance. Can we still love Justin substantially, even though he's making a decision right now that doesn't, say, it doesn't seem to make sense? I've seen that guy so full of light and life. That guy has given me one of the most profound prophetic words I've ever experienced Am I going to allow this bad decision to be the last chapter and for me to close the book and step away? Well, that would be easier for my heart because it's hard to walk in faith whenever you're hurt or you're hurting for someone. But I would say, Dan, one of the things that we can do to live in a place where we're not just resting in what we have seen is to actively look at how can I love in faith? What are the areas in my the life of my relationship with my wife and my daughter where I can celebrate? But what are the places I still am, I'm still contending for something I haven't seen yet? How many times does it not look great before? Right? I mean, but if we do, you understand faith is powerful. But if every time that we that we hit a place in what we're seeing. See, this is the, the error that I was walking in. If I allow what I see to determine my faith, then I've got the whole thing wrong. I think, I, you know, kind of like in the healing movement, which my heart is so stirred to go after healing. But one of the things I learned from people is like we would always share testimonies, a t- testimony of Jesus the spirit of prophecy. What would happen then is we allow the miracles that we have seen to build faith for what we haven't seen. Does that make sense? That's good. That's not bad. But there is a problem with it. Because if I learn only to have faith based on the testimonies, then when I don't have a testimony, I won't step out in faith. That leads us to the next passage. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Okay. So in 1 Timothy, love by faith. Okay. Second, uh, secondly, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is important. Second Corinthians chapter five. Here's what the word says in verse number six. So we are always confident, say confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now to go back and to read what's been happening in the last few chapters, this is connected into all that stuff we've been talking about with the um, sense of beholding him and becoming more like him. But Paul is ultimately leading us to this place where, hey guys, your life isn't based on what happens just in this temporary body. This is just an earthly tent that you're gonna put away after a while. But your life is really in this relationship with the Lord that's gonna last forever. And there is a sense in which you're present walking in this body requires that we are not at home. Second Corinthians chapter five, six. Yep. So we, we, we will one day put away this earthly tent. And what happens then? and you will never be homesick again. Does that make sense to you? Do you know what it's like to be homesick for something that you know is his heart, but you're not quite there yet? What you're seeing around you is not the thing. Guys, that's why we're called to live as pilgrims. We are not called to live in an addiction to this life. While you're here, Jesus came that you would have an abundant one, but not one that's anchored in this earth realm. So faith requires us to live with an idea of, hey, it is not even all about what's happening right now. Do I need faith to see things happen right now? Yes. But faith also tells me and reminds me that the life that I'm living is not my own. I'm crucified with Christ. And there is an eternity that like, even if my body perishes, there's a part of me that that's only gonna liberate to be with God completely and fully forever. So we walk today by faith and not by sight. You love by faith. You walk by faith. Why? How? I guess is a better word. How? Because we are not anchoring what our we're not anchoring what determines our life and what we see happening right now. There is a place that we are reminded that I am walking towards something that I haven't seen. I'm walking towards something. Guys, what is it going to look like? And guys, we're not, I'm not trying to be arrogant or proud. I know there have been people, for as, long as there's been, for as long as there have been people, I'm sure when Adam and Eve got done with the marriage ceremony, they did not say, wow, how long do you think before we screw this up? That moment last week at your wedding. Guys, I had a rough week the week before their wedding had a friend who was just walking through a lot of stuff with the church, and I just, I don't find myself getting jaded very often, but Thursday and Friday were two of the hardest days I've had in years. And I was so happy to get out of Pittsburgh and get on the road to their wedding. I don't get to go to weddings all that often without being highly involved in them, but I was just sitting back there watching these people that I love. It was such a gift from God. Cody's up there leading worship with his sunglasses on. (laughs) It was awesome. I was like, I don't know if it's Cody's just amazingness glowing right now, the sun or the glory, but it was like, he was just like kind of whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he's up there leading worship. Dan and Maddie are like, there's communion going on. Dan and Maddie are hugging people as they go by. And I'm standing at the back after I've done communion. There's just a few people after me. And all that pain from Thursday and Friday, They're not what I believe about the church. They're not what I've positioned my life for. Cody's up there leading us, and it it wasn't just Cody singing. People were really worshiping. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. I just closed my eyes. And I was able to give an offering to God of everything that hurt that wasn't what I've been believing for. And in that moment, it was like one of those epic Christian sappy movie moments. The sun came out from behind a cloud, and I felt like Cody. Wish I had sunglasses on. Just my eyes were closed, and it was bright. Do you ever have one of those moments with the sun? And the thing that came back in my heart. Even so, come. What happened? To move from the jaded moments of Thursday and Friday. Because I'm not living for what I'm seeing. I'm not living, you know, me and Adrian love each other, moving toward connection. I'm not living and making the, dis- the moments of disconnection my reality that I'm gonna put faith in. See, you can put faith in the wrong thing and it's still powerful. How many of you know that's true? If you believe that the wrong thing will happen, you'll see it manifest. But if we can give that as an offering, we choose to walk by faith and not by sight. And I just have to remind myself that I was trained to walk by sight and call that faith. But I have got to live my life anchored to what I'm not seeing yet. Does that make sense? All right, last thing. Turn to Romans chapter five. So we love by faith and conviction. We walk by faith and conviction. And then we'll end here for this morning. Romans 5. We access this life by faith and conviction. Listen to these first five verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith. Say access. What does the word access mean? to be able to enter. So Dan, how do we do this? How do we live this life of faith? By faith. How do we have access into this invisible lifestyle that seems impossible? By faith. But listen to what it says next. God encourage our hearts this morning. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace is so much more than a cloud that moves and you're following it. God has given you a grace that you can stand in. On Tuesday morning, Mike and Anna and I were on the porch finishing up prayer time. And Anna said, hey, just pray for John. And that afternoon when we got word that John had been injured, that was not the prayers that we were praying. But one of the first things when I heard about that and I talked to them the next morning, or, there's a grace that they can stand in today. If you're living and breathing today, Gabby, no matter what you face today, there's a grace that we can stand in. How do we access that grace? By faith. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to the Jew first, also to the Greek. The next verse says, it talks about growing in the righteousness of God moving from faith to faith what do we say faith was? Substance it's evidence it's unseen we move by faith to another level of faith but I don't know how God, teach me. Teach me. Because here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to miss the reward in heaven because I tried to avoid a hard situation. I don't want to miss the reward in my marriage because I played it safe. I want to have faith to go after what's not seen. Can you stand up with me? In Romans 10, there's a verse that says, no, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. As an action step this morning, I really want to encourage you to arm yourself with the word of the Lord. The way that you, I'm not trying to just say a funny word, but the way that you can grow in that thing that Jesus saw, that pistis faith, that when he saw it, he marveled. When he saw the Roman centurion, he said, I've not found Faith, I've not found pistis like this in all the house of Israel. See, faith can become a word that's like, we can know, okay, now abides faith, hope, and love, and not even know what faith is. It's the evidence that leads to conviction. What would it be for you to be armed with truth? Guys, in this generation, where there is no such thing as truth, what it would look like for us to live with a conviction of faith? I would just encourage you, if you don't have a scripture that you're meditating on and memorizing, don't wait till you get into the adversity to try to load the weapon. But load up now. If you're in adversity, load up now. Can you just put your hands on your hearts this morning? And I'm asking you to do that not just as some weird sign. I'm asking you to do that because as I pray, I want you to pray. Let's pray in agreement this morning that faith would get activated in us. God, we love you. Your word's pretty clear that without faith, it's impossible to please you. So God, I don't want to build a life where I'm just hanging out in the successful places where I never need to exercise faith. So in some weird strategy, I think the enemy tries to get us to walk into a place that we think is victory, but it's actually complacency. And so we build a lives for ourselves where we never need faith. And so we can't possibly please God. God is not looking for us to have the right principles and the right precepts and get so good at it that we don't need him. He is trying to grow our dependency on him by faith. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, God, by the word of the Lord revealed in in the scriptures by your spirit breathing on us, God, we ask for a fresh hearing of the word this week. God, we ask for courage to be empowered in our hearts. God, that we would not allow complacency to become a part of our walk with you, but we would walk by faith. We would walk by a substance of hope by an evidence that would lead us to conviction that the things that we see around us are only temporary, but there is something unseen worth living for. God, I pray for courage and encouragement right now. God, for every individual, for every family that is just walking through adversity right now. God, I think about people who can't even be in the room this morning. God, I pray that you would just do a work of grace in us that we would love by faith and walk by faith and know that when we don't know how, we can access that grace by faith. By your kindness, God, if there's anything we believe about you that's not what you believe about you, lead us to repentance. Lead us to change the way we think. God, if there's anything we're thinking about ourselves, that's not what you think about us. By your kindness, lead us to change the way we think. God, if there's anything that we think about faith, if there's any place where our faith, the substance of our faith is not substantial, God, by your kindness, would you come and grow the substance of our faith? Let's just finish our time together. Let's just sing the first verse and chorus of Lord, I need you. And let's just ask God to grow in a greater uh, awareness of our dependency on him and that we wouldn't allow what we can control to be what we become comfortable with, but that we would find ourselves most comforted when we require the work of the comforter to lead us into places we haven't seen.